It's Friday and it's almost the weekend. It's me, Raya. Welcome to Smart But Dumb, a podcast where I bring my friends who are smarter than me to tell me something I don't know. Today's episode is with a different kind of friend, my dad. He's worked mainly in the banana business for three decades and has pivoted both geographically and business strategy-wise throughout his career. I called on to him to tell me about the inner workings of the machine behind the banana business. Hear him tell me how to be able to handle perishable goods, you should be a non-perishable person, end quote. Also, did you know that more songs have been written about bananas than about any other fruit? Stay tuned for a little sing-along in the episode. I hope you enjoy my chat with my dad. Let's get to it. Hi, pups. Hi, Farfura. Can I call you Farfura? Yeah, of course. Of course. This is a fun, this is a fun podcast. Do you, do you need to, to translate uh, what Farfura is? Yeah, you probably should because you came up with the nickname, so I don't want to steal your thunder. So Farfura, uh, I'll take you guys to Farfalla in Italian, which is butterfly. So the nickname of Freya when she was a baby girl is Farfura. Uh, which is it. And now that she became big brain girl, <laughs> uh, still uh, the nickname Farfura is following. Yeah, and a lot of now because of you, a lot of other people call me that. So I, I like this trend. Mm. Maybe I need to come up with something other than just calling you Paps or Papsu. Yes, that's, uh, yeah, that's boring. It's boring. We'll work, yeah. we'll work on it, we'll brainstorm. Yes, I, more colors. We need more colors. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, Dad, first of all, this podcast, as you know very well, because you're, you know, my top fan and you always give me your insights and your analysis. Uh, I usually bring my friends, but I figured uh, you and I are besties and nobody said you can't bring your parents on the pod. So... I figured, and I've learned so much from you over the years, and we always have such a good time, I figured it would really be a waste to not have your voice blasting through people's headphones. So it doesn't mean that it starts with me and then it ends with the cousins, the aunts. I mean, you know, as well, you know, as well as I do, like our family is already pretty small. So we pretty much we're done here. You know, like all we have to do is is dial in RMN and we're done. But um, I think, you know, you have a very uh, specific background and history and just, you know, a very, just a very niche, let's say, area of expertise that I wanted to share with the world and with the people that listen because I feel like there are a lot of jobs out there that everybody assumes are are done and people have but people don't know anyone and I love how you know so we're going to talk about the banana business it's what you do you're the banana guy the banana man and uh, I just think it's it's cool that you know, people still ask you till this day, you know, you're, you're in your 60s, people ask you like, what do you do? And you still say like, I sell bananas and people give you the funniest reaction, no? 
I'm in my 60s, but I still enjoy my <laughs> Yes, yes. Don't worry. It's not what people think it means. Like, you are way younger than I am. If the roles, we have a role reversal for sure. But what I mean is, even with your long career, people still give you the same weird reaction, don't they? Uh, yes. Uh, no, just a, a note on the bicycle. A bicycle <laughs> with uh, 20 honks, no? 20 tone of honks. Yeah. Yeah. The, you can change melody uh, honking uh, on the bike. And the... No. No, you didn't get it. No, I didn't get it. But I feel like I don't like that I'm not getting it. Okay. So I have this... Uh, uh, the, the honk on the bike, but you can change 20 melodies. Okay, yeah. Okay, that I'm with you. Okay, just I wanted to give that detail so that they don't think I do the Tour de France. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay, I was... I was going on another in another direction with you on the bike thing, but yes. So you are a bicycle guy for leisure. You're not like you know Lance Armstrong with or without the. Yes, nah, correct, correct, correct. Okay, it took me a while, but there's a reason why this is called smart but dumb because you're here to teach me. So. Oh, so what do you want from me? I want from you before I ask you the questions that I had for you. Can you just maybe give the listeners, other than uh, you being my dad and being the best, do you mind just like giving a little bit of background of like who you are, where you're calling me from? You know, just a little bit of background to put people in the mood. Okay, so here you don't have a screen. So I'll start by where I'm calling you from. Exactly. I, I'm, allerg I'm allergic to a lot of things, but mostly now with this Zoom web, whatever it is, <laughs> I am allergic to those who speak, but to be credible, they put books behind them. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, in the back, in their video background. Yes. So I don't have books behind me. I just have an uh, Ecuador painting uh, uh, just behind me. So it's very tropical. I am at the Cedars of Lebanon, which is our happy place. Uh, it is 2,000 uh, meter altitude. It's, a, it's an old uh, World War II cabanas. And uh, this is uh, where my happy place is. It happened that I came here for Corona purposes. <laughs> and then it's the first time in my life, I don't travel for a few months. I am seeing the same friends for three months. And, uh, and I, am, I am very happy. Doesn't it feel the great? Of coroning, of coroning at the Cedars in Lebanon. Yeah, I love that you coroned without the Corona itself safely yes. in the cedars, uh, the cedars of God, as some people know it as. Um, and, so, you, and you- Cedar, just yes. a, back, a, a small word about the cedars, because it's not just any cedar. The cedars here are, and still exist now, 6,000 year old. That's so true. They are they they witness 6,000 years of history, and uh, I'm very attached to this tree. And it overlooks a valley, which is uh, a, a World in Heritage uh, UNESCO. It is called the Kadisha Valley. <coughs> and uh, in winter time, snow can reach. Uh, uh, sometime we had some years where snow reached ten meters height. Uh, 
average it's uh, four, three, four meters height. Uh, I'm not talking on the slopes, just at the level of of where our cabana is. Anyhow, this is where I I'm calling this, from. This, this uh, meteorology report, thank you. Okay. <laughs> and there is no central heating. That's we have World War II heaters uh, that are my pride and joy. Yeah. I make sure they, they still function. Yeah, yeah. They bring all the you know, the history without all the shit from World War II, so we, we like them. And just give a little bit of background, Dad, on like, what does it mean to be a banana guy? What does, you know, I'm sure people are, are gonna be a little bit confused. So just describe a little bit what, what you do and where up until, you know, pretty recently you were based and how that worked. Okay, <laughs> so I am a, I call myself a banana diplomat. Love it. Uh, banana because uh, this fruit has been my best friend. Uh, allowed me to, to do lots of beautiful things. And then diplomat because the country export number one in the world is Ecuador. I have been the consul general of Ecuador in Turkey for more than two decades. So you combine and so you combine both. You connect the dots. Uh, it makes a banana diplomat. Love it. Uh, contrary to all your very prestigious guests yeah. who <laughs> passed by LSE, NYU, Harvard, Harvard, Yale. <laughs> the closest, the closest I've been to college is uh, the day of your graduation in NYU. Uh, what a great day. Okay, that's the closest. And uh, my happiness used to be Monday morning, gray, snowing, raining, and I didn't do any homework. I arrived to school, it's yeah. still dark, and they <laughs> announced that the teacher is sick and is not coming. Best. This is my notion of happiness, and it tells you how in love I was with school and how school was in love with me. I was going to say, I'm sure it was a reciprocal relationship. Yes. However, uh, due to this uh, IQ level. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a whole different conversation about whether school has anything to do with your IQ, but I understand the point you're trying to make. After your, let's say, your disconnect or your absence from academia, where did that lead you to be in between all of your gigs? You were in Lebanon during the Civil War. Where did that lead you to afterwards? Like how so uh, what uh, put me on fast forward mode is the fact that I lost early. Uh, at a young age, I lost my dad. Yeah. So working was not anymore a pleasure. It became a necessity. Yeah. And this is where the whole story starts with a long path, interesting, thrilling, uh, spines and roses, ups and downs. That led you, uh, that led you where specifically? I'm speeding you up that, because I know you're, you're quite that, a talker, so we, we're trying to... That, that led me during the Lebanese war, which was a great school, yeah, uh, a school that teaches you many things when, when you 
sorry, I have to interject that. I just want the listeners to understand that when my dad means Lebanese Civil War was a great school, he doesn't mean it was an actual school. He means it was a great lesson, yes. that, a life lesson where it taught him to be very agile, to, you know, right? Like, am I taking words out but, of your mouth? Yes, yes. There is not a college called uh, yes, exactly. uh, Lebanese War, which, which gives you a certificate. No. There you go. Uh, and this is where I started between... Uh, I, I learned actually from three schools. The port, because I started in the shipping business, that led me to the banana business, which is the other second school, which is the fruit markets. And those schools, uh, they have the advantage of, uh, in common, is uh, you find a lot of crooks in these schools yeah. of the fruit market and the port. However, you don't find one lazy person because they all start at, at 3 a.m. Yeah. while uh, everybody's going to the uh, nightclubs and discotheques. And uh, not a lazy person is allowed. So but you learn, strange enough, you learn from the crooks. You don't yeah. learn from the from the honest people, you learn from the crooks uh, what to avoid, actually. <laughs> right. So, okay, speed this up for us. You are in the Lebanese uh, ports doing, you know, kind of a little bit of everything, um, you know, getting your hands, you know, into whatever kind of trade business you can because... Okay, I'll go fast forward. I'm in Lebanon. Yeah. Turkey is a closed economy. Okay, late, uh, late 80s, right? In the mid-80s. Okay. In the mid-80s, it's a closed economy. After Atatürk, who did the Cultural Revolution, came Turgut Özal in Turkey and said, uh, and made the economic revolution and opened Turkey. It happened that I was there waiting for the opening of Turkey, and it happened that I brought the banana that was the first, first, first non-Turkish imported product in the uh, open economy of Turkey in the second half of the 80s, which made the banana, uh, because the moment uh, it came in, the president of Turkey, the then uh, Turgut Özal, went on TV and said, I promised you an open economy. Now you have the Chiquita banana in your kitchen, and this is how the Chiquita banana there became uh, the symbol of the open economy of Turkey. Okay, so you kind of smelled an opportunity both with this product, which we'll talk a little bit more about, and you also uh, smelled and sensed an opportunity with a country that was not very far away from yours, but that had a huge potential in terms of uh, market, right? Like we're talking, Turkey is a huge market compared to what you were used to, um, and was a country that was not at war, which was obviously something that was not what you were used to. So you moved to Turkey and start distributing bananas, correct? Correct. And I thought that being the first comer, it was by chance. But then again, I find myself the uh, the all the uh, the Soviet bloc is collapsing and the countries are opening up. Right. I find myself 
to be the first foreign investor in Romania, in Moldavia, in Azerbaijan, in the Caucasus, in Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan. In then, countries, uh, essentially, that people didn't even know existed. Yes, the country that were poor above ground, but very rich underground because they have oil. Okay. So that's, uh, that's when I realized that it was not uh, the Turkish luck only. It was, uh, let's say, right. anticipation, forecast, and uh, yeah. uh, yes, anticipating the trend. We yeah. were good at anticipating the trend. Okay. And, uh, okay. So, and of course, these, yeah. these countries then were not, uh, were not Disneyland. So... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like what Bora showed us. I get it. <laughs> so um, we'll get into that a little bit later in terms of like the climate that, you know, these kinds of uh, businesses can operate in because as you said, not everything is Disneyland. But I want to get kind of to the core of what this episode is about. And can you buy bananas like you could have i mean let forget the idea that you could have start you could have been selling anything why bananas, why, bananas, why bananas as a food item like what is it about bananas first um, banana i liked it because it was uh, you have to use your brain muscles not your uh, contrary to other items it's a it's a it's a chess game. I will banana does not grow everywhere. It's in limited areas. It should be in the tropics next to the equatorial line. Okay. And uh, it is limited, let's say, major by then mainly in Latin American country and Central America. And at that time. Uh, in Asia, Philippines, now recently, now Africa is, has developed Cameroon, uh, Ivory Coast, and now recently Ghana. But when we talk banana, we talk Latin America, Central America, and we talk a, about the predominance of American company who control the banana business yeah yeah but dad hold up hold the phone hold the phone you're doing that thing where you're getting ahead of yourself in the storytelling mm -hmm. what is okay. it what is it about you what is it about the potential of a banana that makes it a business a huge fucking business Do it is the business because it is the top item it? of the supermarket there it is go. 365 days a year there you go and you need to, to uh, so it is not what you sell, it's how many and how much you sell. So there you go. Because you, you know, because you know you can sell a shit ton. You're not like selling, you know, dragon fruit. Wherever you have a consumer, the first thing they want is a banana. You don't notice it. But trust me, when you enter countries that were uh, under blockade, yeah. or uh, uh, under Soviet bloc and they open up, the first thing they want is they hide, eat their banana, and for them, they made it. Okay. It seems ridiculous today, but this is the, 
the reality. And just to make so, a little parallel, Dad, for something that's been happening, especially in my generation during the quarantine, which I don't think popped up on your Instagram because we have a diff we have a very different explore page, but you do know that bananas became a very hot food item during the quarantine, right? Because people went fucking crazy and made banana bread all day long. Did you know this? Definitely. And not only this, we didn't need now uh, Corona to discover that. Banana, yeah, I know, but know. what I mean is like that you're saying that this seems absurd, but it doesn't seem absurd at all because even now, 2020, bananas was all we could, were all we could fucking talk about. Definitely. Plus, you don't need to clean it. You just put it in your backpack. Too. And you take it everywhere, and it it's can awesome. it can save your life if you are in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing else with you than your yeah. backpack and your banana. Yeah, guys, quote Fanti on this one: "Bananas save lives." Till we're copywriting that sentence. Okay, um, so you then, as a banana distributor, you would take the bananas grown in Ecuador, in your case, that. Sorry that had a sticker, you know, for a lack of a better word, of some of, the, of some of the big brands, right? You started off with one brand and then shifted to another. Do you mind just describing what those big brands are for people to understand? So the major, the major brands are, the well-known one is uh, Chiquita, while not being the number one. The number one uh, in volume is Dole, Okay. And they are both American. And comes number three is Del Monte. Okay. Uh, but the brand uh, that definitely gave uh, the label of Banana Republic to some of the republics is definitely Chiquita. And I'll tell you why later on. Yeah, I was going to Chiquita yeah. is the brand that gave uh, some of the Latin American countries the bad between brackets label and the negative label of oh. Banana Republic. And on the other hand, on more of a positive spin, but we'll talk about Banana Republics in a second. Uh, I think you, you touched upon a very interesting point that Chiquita is when it comes to name recognition is huge. Like their branding from very early on was very strong. Like the dancing banana, everybody recognizes it. You know, the song, the ads, like they were, you know, they came in strong. So even if you know nothing about how the business works, which we'll also talk about, uh, that's definitely a name that you recognize. And Dole, I think, has done a good job, and you can correct me on this. I think you probably see the name a lot more in a supermarket because now they have canned fruit, frozen fruit, like they're kind of all over, right? And have... Correct. They're known for also other exotic fruits, which you also used to, you know, bring into to our part of the world. But um, I just think it's interesting to draw that parallel. And now, of course, I think that there's no matter what country you live in, like we lived in Turkey, obviously, for a long time. But even now, no matter where you go, you see a lot more brands, whereas I think it was so dominated by just these two for so long, right? Which is not the case anymore. And we can develop why. Yeah. Okay, so let's touch upon the Banana Republics first because you, you talked about it a little bit and then we'll go more into the detail about how the actual business and the different players within the business work. Okay, Banana 
grow in Central America and Latin America, Central America meaning Panama, Guatemala, Honduras, and, and the American consider these countries as their private gardens. Mm-hmm. And these countries, they have... As they do many other places, my, my diplomatic father. Yes, but here, here they are bordering countries. Yeah. And when Panama has a canal, they cannot afford that it becomes the garden of somebody else. They need to control the, the canal, among other things. Correct. And these countries, they are monoculture. They just grow only bananas. So... Banana is the number one employer after the state. Okay. The, the banana... And, and since they, they cannot afford that the country goes politically under another they, they don't bad... <laughs> another bad guy controlling them. Yeah. So the you, American government... Sorry, sorry, Dad. Dad, Dad, when you mean um, a bad guy, we're essentially talking when there's a government that the U.S. would not be comfortable with having in place. Yes, bad guy, not necessarily. It could be a bad country. It could be a country in conflict with the U.S. At that time, there was the Cold War. It's the Russians. I wanted to make that clear because it doesn't necessarily mean that the people in power had to be removed. It's the U.S. that considered that they had to be removed. So these countries... Uh, having a monoculture of bananas, the Americans needed uh, to have control on the number one employer. So the the company that used to be the extended uh, arm of the American foreign policy is Chiquita. So Chiquita in Panama, to give an example, number one employer after the state. Now, the banana there is an export tax. What if a president of Panama decides to increase the export tax in a way that doesn't make it competitive? So in order to control the export tax, the banana company needed to control the president. And since they are the number one employers and and they, Not have, only employ- and they are the extended arm of the United States, it makes the squeezing a little easier. And then the banana, you need to transport it to the port and there is no railways. They created their own railways. There is no port, they build their own port. There is no communication. How to tell the ship that the banana shipment is ready for shipping? So they needed a communication company at that time, they created the TRT, Tropical Radio Telecommunication, which was one of the top telecommunication companies in the world while being just an in-house telecommunication company. So having the control and the grip on all these vital sectors of the economy, you know, it becomes a detail on how to make sure that the president they like becomes the president. Correct. And it is said as a joke, the general manager at that time chiquita the main company was called united brands and chiquita was just the brand before it changed to chiquita brand company so at that time it was said that a manager the general manager of united brands is never promoted he is there for 20 years while the presidents are changing and it is said 
as a joke that when United brand manager calls the president, the president over the phone stands up out of respect to show you how much he owe him his career. That's crazy. I understand. Okay. Okay. So this, this is the, the, uh, let's say the negative connotation of, uh, Banana Republic. Banana Republic. But however, the Great. bananas to companies to uh, motivate their uh, workers uh, who has families, they needed to create schools. So they created schools. They needed to create playgrounds, clubs, football clubs, reading clubs, cultural clubs. So you go on the, on the road in Armoyes or Almirante, whatever, you see on the left side, all is clean, the grass is great, nice school, and on the right side, something which is really dirty and not beautiful to look at. And you ask the question, why on the right it's ugly, why on the left it's beautiful? They tell you on the right it's the government who built that school, on the left it is the United Brands Company who built the school and the football field and what. So in reality, uh, they, they, did a, they did a good job for them. Because if they left it without interference, a lot of beautiful things wouldn't have been built in these countries. Okay, well, it's safe to say that you are a little biased because we see some of the parallels in what you're saying in the Middle East also, and it doesn't always come with flowers. I do agree. Yeah. That is, I didn't, I, I zapped uh, the coup d'etat, I said a lot of things where there is uh, sometimes violence, but of course, uh, this yeah, is yeah. politics. Yeah. Yeah. So just no, I wanted to put that out there because you are anything but naive. So we're, you know, we are very well aware that it came with, you know, more than just collateral damage. But it's interesting to see how, despite all of that, uh, maybe it's because, you know, it was a different time back then. I don't think this kind of stuff would openly be okay as much or it would you know the same way that we accept the way a lot of big companies operate they do a lot of things on the down low whereas back then it was kind of a known thing so all of that to say is let's circle back and talk about the way that the business works so i'm whether you're chiquita or dol or del monte or what have you how does somebody like you come into play who are all the players uh that make it, that take it from a farm to then my supermarket? So farming is usually non-democratic. Farming in these countries should be fully controlled by U.S. companies. Okay. When you mean they should be, you mean they are? They are. Because if you are an independent, you don't survive you need to be part of one of the three major American companies. Okay. That was before, not now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you farm, you grow, you harvest, and then you load on the ship that belongs to the American company as well. And you have no means of transporting the banana outside the ship of the multinational. Yeah, because it's just, you, you can't make it happen. And you bring the ship to whatever, to Europe, to Germany, to Turkey, to the Mediterranean, to everywhere. Because you have 
only three major companies outside, you don't have more than two or three distributors on the other end of the chain. That work with these brands. Correct, because if Chiquita has a partner and Dole has a partner, Del Monte has a partner, that's it. This was, I said, back then. Today, everything has changed. And it was like this until maybe 10 years ago when, by mistake, the shipping became democratic and they started building the mega ships of 18,000 containers that carry everything. There was not only banana ships or heifer ships. It was a multi-purpose mega ships with a very low cost. So they broke the monopole of transportation of the multinationals and democratized the business, which means anyone who can grow a a small plantation of banana with his family can, can load it on that ship and on the other end, find a partner for distribution, which means from two or three banana guys in each country, all of a sudden it jumped to 100, 200, 300, and there is no I, limit for like anyone who could, you could buy like, uh, I mean, this is uh, an inaccurate number, but you could buy like a carton of bananas. You a- can buy a one container from anybody from anywhere, there you go. Okay. I and understand. this is where the business changed hands. So, and all the companies became commercial oriented companies, to the exception, still, while it is not said, it is hidden, still, Chiquita uh, ha- benefits always from the uh, political uh, backing of the U.S., but all the others are purely, purely, purely profit and loss and uh, commercial-oriented companies. Okay, understood. And so... Where, where do I stand in this, what we call the cold chain? Why do we call it cold chain? Because banana has to be transported at uh, 14 degrees. Okay. So the ship has to be at 14 degrees. The truck... And it shouldn't be interrupted. And the warehousing should be at that same temperature. So the cold chain should not be interrupted. The same temperature should be respected from harvesting to uh, the uh, consumer. Which is tough as fuck. Like, I wish you just sold canned tuna. And then uh, you know that this is called perishable cargo. Yeah. Perishable banana uh, that you uh, see fresh in the morning by noontime, it's gone. It yeah. is to be thrown away if it's not sold. And there's in the business, we always say to be able to handle perishable bananas or perishable products, you should be a non perishable person. That's funny. Because it's all based on trust, shake hands. I sold sold whether you lose or win finish your word is your signature and there is no space for people who swallow their words because the market changed or the wind changed that's why for those who make it for long term 
perishable products requires non-perishable plants. I like that. We're, I, I, I don't think we, we say that enough. It's cool. Cool saying, cool biz saying, you're making me feel part of the industry. Okay. Um, so I understand. So then what you would do on the ground then, you as a- Then my, my, my main job starts from the port of arrival. Right. So to, the port of arrival, uh, you, we usually- you handle, you handle its shipment from the, from the port of arrival to a, uh, what do you call the, a warehouse? To the, to the supermarket or to the fruit market. Right, yeah, but in the meantime, it would stop at a, at a some it kind of... It will stop, yes. So first of all, we, we operate port terminals. We have our own port terminals okay. because a banana ship cannot wait outside uh, to, to get, uh, uh, to be in line the time because it's perishable. It has, at the moment arriving, to be discharged and then release the ship. So therefore, you need to have your own a fruit terminal where discharging is uh, with fast uh, equipments, then stored in a cool temperature. Then uh, there is what we call the ripening process because all bananas are transported green. That's to make them true. to make them yellow, they enter into ripening rooms where we increase the temperature a bit till it reaches gradually 18 degrees on a cycle of five, six days. And the rooms, they have what we call the ethylene gas. Gas is not like gas, uh, uh, just for you to know. We could substitute the ethylene gas by putting apples inside the room, which gives ethylene and it ripens the banana. So well, that's true because they say that when you buy super, when you buy your bananas, I mean, they say, I mean, when I say they say, you've always told me this, that I should never keep my bananas once they're at home next to the apples, right? Always next to the apple, it ripens very fast. Yeah, so I shouldn't because then I'll ruin them too quickly. And the bananas, like the Chiquita song say, never put in a refrigerator because it becomes black skin. Oh my God, I'm definitely gonna put that, the link to that video because that video is so cute. Okay. Um, yes, the, the famous ba banana song of Chiquita, never put me in a refrigerator. And I heard you say that bananas gotta ripe in a certain way, like that. Correct, that's the song. Yeah, I mean, my voice is terrible, but you get the gist. Um, okay. Actually, I, but then on another note, which has nothing to do with banana, the famous banana classic song is Harry Belafonte. Uh, hey, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Deo, deo. Okay. Dad, you're getting ahead of yourself. You know that we asked this question at the end of the podcast, so now we've messed up the, the structure, but it's fine. It's fine. I love that you're living your life. Okay. My question is then, you would then distribute it to supermarkets, right? That would be your contact, your, not your contact. We, we have the trucks. We have our uh, selling spots in the all fruit markets anywhere uh, we are present. Okay. And then our uh, end user is the supermarket or in some uh, countries, we still have these uh, uh, street trolleys, okay. which I find very colorful. Uh, very, it's, it's a pleasure to deal with these guys who 
Most of them are not educated, but they are a school by themselves. You learn a lot from these street vendors. Well, you're not educated either if we want to, you know, kind of a pop. Correct. Black. And, and I'm very proud of it. Yeah, I know. I love it. And I have no complex at all. No, I know. I know. You embrace it on the contrary. And what I think is also hilarious, just total side note, is, you know, like as a kid, like, you know, people, a lot of ask you, a lot of people ask you like, you know, what do your parents do, whatever. And I'm like, oh, sell bananas. Cause I just used to repeat whatever you would say, like, how would I know? And so people literally pictured us like going in a truck, the three of us honking, being like, ah, beep, beep, bananas. Like, come get your bananas. So, <laughs> so I tell them like, oh, that would have been a way cooler, like, homeschooling life but we didn't do that but it's cool that you've kind of painted this picture of again like back to my point this is a business like just to give people an idea the u.s imports around like 2.2 billion dollars worth of bananas every year and that number grows every year like it's a fruit that you that literally doesn't have a season because it's imported anyway in most cases so to give you an example, a country like Germany consumes 14 kilos of banana per capita. That's so you can make your calculation. Yeah. So like, I think it's cool that, you know, we're, you're kind of explaining the, the inner workings of, of, of a business that's not just a business, it's huge. Like these companies are also just beyond companies, right? It's like a Coca-Cola, like Coca-Cola doesn't just sell Coke. Like these are institutions there behind you know, some of the social con social and political constructs of nations, even. Any business that the volume of money uh, exceeds a certain amount, definitely you have to flirt with politics. And flirting with politics is not flirting with Mickey, Minnie, uh, and Dumbo in Disneyland. Okay. No noted. Noted. Um, cool. And... I just wanted you to also kind of touch upon, can you talk about maybe the, where you think the, cause you made a lot of, you know, you, you, you said a lot in your descriptions, oh, it was more so the case before, less so now, where do you think the business is headed in terms of its structures and its structure and the main players involved? How, how is that either shifting, has already shifted or will shift in your opinion? It has shifted already from major uh, players controlling the world. Now it is very small plantation. The plantations are becoming smaller, more family business in order to decrease the overheads. And no intermediaries in the middle, no middleman. No, no, like Why distributors. Uh, sorry, sorry for the, your audience. No middleman or women. Okay. Gender, gender equality. Yeah, Dad, haven't you heard about cancel culture? People get mad about everything now, so you have to be on it. So I'm please, please acknowledge that I you didn't choose middleman only. Please. You checked yourself, but you're also the biggest feminist that I know, so but I love that you checked yourself. Go, keep going. Uh, so, no more uh, middle person. Uh, the grower from one side in the Caribbeans, and let me give an example in uh, whatever, in Turkey, let's say, there is 
another man who's dealing with that grower and nobody in the middle. And that other man as well is a family business. Uh, no more high volumes because the volumes are divided now into 100 players instead of being divided into two or three players. Okay. Uh, but uh, for your friends to you know, we're talking agriculture. Mm -hmm. And those rising star investors, where the money is in agriculture, I'll make it simple in simple words. Mm -hmm. The world is lacking water. California is becoming dry. Grapes, growing grapes in California is against the nature because less water. So you want to make a good business without even due diligence or studying the project or analyzing any analysis done, just go and shoot for any land that is next to water and irrigation is possible, or go to any plantation that does not need water like olive tree. So the future in agriculture in 2050, and you want to invest, go now, buy any land that is next to a river, or invest on any plantation that do not require water like olive tree and here you cannot go wrong in 2050 you have the big nice surprise this is the tip for our future rising star investors i love it i love the hot tips okay cool uh dad pops yeah the best the bestie uh i'm going to leave you soon uh, to enjoy the Cedars of God, where I will be joining you in a couple of days. But yes. before I do that, please tell me two things. Where can people find you on the internet or on Google, as you like to say? And can you please, I know you already kind of did it, but in case you want to pivot to another song, because I know you're very, uh, you're very musical, let's say, you know, you do like a burst of song. Is there a song that you want to share with the listeners? So those two things. I will start with the song. Sorry, I mean, I have nostalgia. I love nostalgia, but nostalgia not to cry on the past. Nostalgia, to use nostalgia as a pouvoir de propulsion so that I can jump first. Like the tir à l'arc. How do you call tir à l'arc? Uh, uh, oh man, the, uh, shoot. Okay, anyhow, so for the song, I would definitely uh, archery, suggest. Art, but it's a, no, it's not archery. It's not archery. Sorry, I totally. Archery, yes, yes. Oh, it no, is archery. archery. It is archery. Yes. It is archery. Right. So the more you pull the string backwards, the more the arrow goes forward. So I would. For everybody, I would use nostalgia, 6,000 years of uh, cedar tree as the string of the archery so that the propulsion uh, power is even stronger. So for the song, if you want to feel on the spot that you're wearing your flower shirt, your bathing suit, and you're ready just to dive in this fresh water, I would say go for Harry Belafonte, uh, Banana Boat, it is called. 
Hey, oh, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Anyhow, this is uh, my tip. If I want to dive, an invitation for diving is definitely the banana boat song. And what's the other question you said? The question is, where can people find you on the internet or on the Google? Uh, I would uh, say you go on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, that's, you can hear a lot of my dad's rants on YouTube. He He's quite the smart cookie in my very non-biased opinion. Dad, you're you're one of uh, the regions that we're very, we're very happy to have you, you know, hold the flag high and hopefully get us out of this shit show. You're, you're, uh, you're asking too much. <laughs> well, one can only hope. No, no, I tell you, in reality, I accept to be accused of failing, but I cannot, I can never be accused of dying without a dream because this is killing me twice. So definitely, the dream should always be present. Whether it will come true or not is another story. Love it. Well, Dad, I can't think of a better way to end it. And thanks for not only being on this podcast, but for being the cool Baba that you are and for our complicité. This was, uh, with like everything else that we do, a lot of fun. I hope... Uh... Uh, I hope I will uh, I will get the attention of the Lady Gaga generation and not only the Frank Sinatra generation. I love that you call it the Lady Gaga generation. I love it. Uh, Justin Bieber, if you want. You should... 50, 50 cents if you want. <laughs> Dad, say something like Dua Lipa. Say Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. Yeah, she's Albanian. She's hot stuff right now. Okay, Dua Lipa. Okay. If I drop the name Dua Lipa, do yes, I look cool? Yes, yes, you will look cool. People know who Dua Lipa is. She's dating uh, Gigi Hadid's brother. Okay, okay. Yeah. I yeah. am I am less ignorant now after this podcast. As am I. So I'm glad that you you know, I'm glad that we were both able to offer each other something. Okay. Love you, Baba. Have fun. Ciao, bye. Bye, Farfura. Bye.